Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I am your host, Tyler, and here with me today as my partner in masochism, as we very painfully try to relive what went down in Atlanta Saturday night is my longtime co-host Curtis. Obviously, we have a bunch to talk about, most of it very painful stuff, and we will get to that here in very short order. First, I just do want to remind you guys, when you plan your next stay in the Classic City, make sure to book that stay at the Normal Town Cottage here in the Classic City. I actually got a grand tour of the Normal Town Cottage today here in Athens, and I can tell you guys, it is it is awesome. I mean, three bedrooms, nice little living room there, big screen TV, got a kitchenette, the parking is free. I actually walked down the street to all the bars and restaurants myself. Took me about five minutes to get down there. Had a great afternoon. It was a lot of fun. So whenever you make it back up to Athens, for whatever the reason, you're coming to visit family, coming to a concert, coming to a basketball game, whatever it might be, just take my word for it, guys. It's a no-brainer. The Normal Town Cottage is the place to stay. So book today online, Airbnb, or you can just go to Instagram. They have a page on Instagram. You can click on their links directly and book your stay today. Okay, Curtis, as painful as this is going to be, as little interest as I have in reliving what we saw Saturday afternoon in Atlanta. We run a Georgia podcast, and sometimes in situations like this, when that's the case, you just got to suck it up and make it happen. We love you guys out there. We want to make sure to give you guys all the content that you want, and uh, we know that you guys want to hear our thoughts on this, so we are here today to suck it up and try to go through exactly what happened yesterday against the Alabama Crimson Tide. It was brutal, man. It was brutal. Just another disappointing loss to Alabama. Just added to the list. And there's so many things to talk about here. I spent all afternoon trying to figure out how to open the show, what questions to ask. Honestly, I don't even really have an outline to work off of today. A little inside baseball. Usually I have a very detailed outline of what we're going to talk about. And then sometimes conversation goes where the conversation goes. But we usually have an, an outline to operate off of. That's kind of how my brain works. I like to be organized like that. But today, I just didn't have it in me. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the heart to sit down and do it. Obviously, I've been thinking about the game nonstop, but I just didn't have the heart, the motivation to sit down and and do an outline. So I don't even really know exactly how to open the show, Curtis, to be honest with you, but let me just do it this way. 
Let's start with the big picture look. Tell me, Kurt, what went wrong against Alabama on Saturday? Well, first off, I want to start with the defense. Um, I really question Dan Lanning's defensive game plan, especially that whole first half, and then coupled that with the inexplicably horrendous play we got out of William Poole, um, the defense was just in trouble. I'm really glad you started the conversation here, Curtis, with the defense. Obviously, I know most of the conversation coming out of this game is centering around the quarterback position, Stetson Bennett specifically, as it probably should. But I also don't want to let the defense off the hook. After all, this was the defense that was supposed to be the best in the country, the defense that was historically good. And I think there's a large amount of culpability for this loss that should be laid at the feet of the defense and especially the defensive coaches, as we'll get into here as we continue on with this episode. And the fact is, if we started with Stetson Bennett, if we started with the quarterback conversation, we probably would never get to the defense because that conversation seems to be never ending. And there's so much to say about that and so many different directions we can go when talking about the quarterback situation that we just may never get to the defense if we started the conversation with the quarterbacks. And I also know that you have a law school final exam tomorrow. So you got some studying to do. You don't have all day to sit here on this podcast. So I'm glad you started there. It's a good place to kick this thing off. And we will go in a couple different directions with the defense, but I do want to start here, Curtis. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you had an issue with the defensive game plan. So what exactly was your issue with how we came out trying to defend this Alabama offense? You went away from everything that stopped Alabama this year. Um, any team they've struggled with really played more press coverage and brought more blitzers. And not only that, but when we blitz, they continuously, almost the whole first half, only blitz up the middle. Yet Alabama was going, uh, you know, full house pass pro. Um, yeah. They were going keeping everyone in there. Yeah, they went max protect. And the fact is we still tried to run up the blitz up the middle right into where they were max protected. So I just thought that was completely asinine. And then the fact is in the second half, yes, after Mechie went out, but the fact was we started playing more press coverage and started bringing more around six players per blitzes. And, oh, all of a sudden we put together three or four stops in a row. And as bad as the defense played, they gave us a chance to win. But it was that whole first half, and, and that's really where I go into just the t- horrible game plan that really killed us to, to go with some of the brain farts. All right, devil's advocate here. I agree with you. The defense game plan was certainly not good enough. That's very obvious based on the outcome of that game. If you're looking at – the second half there, Curtis, you mentioned, yes, we started bringing more pressure. Things started to improve. We got three consecutive stops. So I think on three consecutive possessions after they scored that t- opening touchdown in the second half to go up 31-17, we stopped them three consecutive times. I think in those three possessions they had 50, I want to say 56 total yards, 54 total yards, something like that over those three possessions. But how much of that was based on the adjustments we made defensively, bringing more pressure, and how much it was the fact that John Metchie's on the game really have one viable receiver and Jamison Williams left out there? I mean, I think that was a factor, but the fact is we changed it, and it seemed once we made those changes, we stopped having as much – like we we weren't messing up in zone as much because that's what killed us a lot of the times when we went in zone and people yes. weren't playing their positions or their reads really well. That killed us. And then the way we switched up the blitzing too, instead of coming up the middle, we did a better job of keeping Bryce Young in the pocket too because he didn't have that big that that pocket that he had in the first half where which was giving him more time to throw because we were able to get more pressure on him because we weren't just blitzing right into their max protect. 
Frankly, I was rather stunned by our defensive game plan. I was very taken aback by it. You're right, Curtis. It, I do it, think it's just shocking because you went against what what had literally the yes. only defenses that have worked against him. And honestly, what we just saw Auburn do last weekend. Now, of course, you expect Alabama to make adjustments, but there's only so many adjustments you can make when your offensive line, especially the right side of your offensive line, is that bad. You know what I mean? There's only so yeah, many adjustments and, and you can that, make. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, you you knew they were going to make adjustments, but especially once you saw they were going max protect, why were you continuously this, still only blitzing into their where they were ha- honed? It's pretty clear what we were hoping to do. And I, here's what I think the, game, the the rationale behind the game plan. Let me try to explain what we're doing. So we played a lot of – you're right, Curtis. We played a lot of zone coverage early in that game. I think the reason that we did that is because we were – Honestly, honestly, just to be real with you guys, frightened of their receivers, frightened of John Messi, frightened of Jamison Williams. They were trying to keep them in front of us, and we want to, we did not want to bring too much pressure because we wanted to maintain that structural integrity from a coverage standpoint back in the secondary, especially with Chris Smith, who played in the game, but was not 100%. Dan Jackson starts the game. If, if Chris Smith 100%, he's, he started the game. It's that simple. I think that was the idea behind it and try to you know bring your simulated pressures that we've done all year. Because basically what we've done most of the years, we, we bring simulated pressures. We rarely bring more than four guys. We make we have a lot of guys that can that can come from, from different angles. We've got a lot of athletes out there on defense, so we can mix it up from where they're coming and, and how exactly that looks. And I think that's what we were banking on. We did not want to give those explosive plays. We talked about that being, in the previous episode, being one of the keys to a victory over Alabama because that's what they live off of, those explosive plays. Problem was with zone coverage, a reason I don't like, and I told you guys last week on the previous show, I was an advocate of man coverage. And I know that leaves you vulnerable to getting beat in man coverage against some really good receivers, especially when we have some, some issues in secondary, especially the star position, which is a major issue. We'll get more of that here in just a second. But the problem is they run RPOs so much and RPOs are zone coverage killers because you can sit back and it, it, it makes it easier to have a read man. The way to defend RPOs is to play that tight press man coverage. Yes, that means you can get beat sometimes, but that is about the only way you can take it away. If you sit back and allow a team like Alabama, who is so RPO heavy and has such an accurate passer in Bryce Young and has these receivers that can take those short glance routes and take the distance like we saw with Jamison Williams, you are going to get carved up. And that's exactly what happened. And then we finally made adjustments coming out of halftime. Yes, they scored the opening touchdown in the second half. But after that, when we we're bringing more pressure and we're trying to man up behind, we're playing some pattern match stuff, which is basically like, if you guys are basketball fans, it's like zone, it's like um, matchup zone in basketball, where, yeah, you have a zone, but you're playing man coverage in that zone. We started to do more. That's old school Kirby pattern match three coverage defense. That's what he really kind of made a name for himself at Alabama. We went to more of that kind of stuff and it it actually worked. I do think John Metch being out certainly factored into that, but it's baffling to me that we did not come out and try to do more of that to open the game. And I think the game plan was honestly garbage. Kirby Smart, Dan Lang, every uh, uh, Will Muschamp, whoever's involved in the defensive game plan, I think it was garbage. And I, I think honestly if you ask if you get those guys in a room right now, they'd probably say yeah, it was garbage too. But too little, too late. We can't go there now. Now, hopefully, we can find ourselves in a rematch. I mean, we got a tough match up here, in Michigan, with that later too. But it was not good enough. And I, if we do play them again, some way, somehow, hopefully down the road, knock on wood, I fully expect to see a different game plan because obviously that didn't work. But it was, um, it was not the move, man. That was not the move, and I'm frankly just befuddled by that because I trust our defensive coaches. They've been fantastic for us all year. Kirby Smart is one of the preeminent defensive minds in all of college football. I have a lot of respect for Dan Lanning. 
And I'm just honestly just befuddled, flabbergasted, confused, whatever adjective you want to throw out there. That's what I am right now. And I just don't understand. I also want to bring up this, Curtis. I want to go more in detail here. You mentioned William Poole at the outset. I know a lot of people are talking about the personnel decision of keeping Sessman in the game. And I, I understand that's a, that is, that's a problem. That is a problem. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but I am incredibly frustrated right now, Curtis, with the personnel decision to play, to start and allow William Poole to play basically the entire game. What in the world do you possibly make of that? I'm more angry, especially, okay, he had played decent the last couple games, but after a couple of brain farts, you can't allow it to continue. I mean, we're talking about a very small role in just the past couple of weeks, Curtis, against the likes of Georgia Tech and Charleston Southern. And we just decided to roll with him all game long against the best offense that we faced all year. I just I just don't get the long leash with him. Um, I know, in all honesty, how we'd dream it up if we could is actually to keep Dan Jackson in at safety, but put Chris Smith more in the star position. But we weren't sure his knee could hold up, especially in coverage against those guys. So I get that we couldn't do what we want to do, especially like what we saw against Tennessee, yes. But I just don't even get not even getting Breeny in the game. I'm not, I I know Breeny struggles in coverage. We've been really hard on him. But, I mean, at least he would be on the guy. Breeny's done some good things at times. He hasn't been great all the time in coverage, but he's done some good things at times throughout the year. And like we, I know we're going to get this. People keep saying, well, what do we have to lose by throwing JT Daniels in the game? He might not be the answer, but, you know, we know that Stetson can't do it. I, to me, it's the same thing William Poole. I'm not saying Breeny's yeah, well, great. I'm not I, saying Breeny's the answer, but we know Poole can't do it. Yeah, like when I was thinking uh, last night, I really sat, you know, kind of sat there and tried to think of like, who do I blame for this loss? And player-wise, William Poole was one of the players. Like, yeah, the coaches, should, you know, probably should have pulled him and all those things. But realistically, he played a, a major role in what our defense did. You think back to that touchdown, the very first touchdown by Jamison Williams. I'm pretty sure walk, going back and watching it, he went – on the guy in front of him and left Jameson wide open. Um, well, it was a well-designed play. Big- it was a well-designed play. They ran the double slants there because they know that teams, they, they know that we know they run that a lot. And so they felt like we were going to try to crash on those, uh, those slants there. And they snuck in Jameson Williams on the post behind that. Now I think what happened there, Curtis, and you might be right here. I think what happens, we had a robber there because Lewis seen drops down. Yeah. I think we were playing one rat. Lewis seen was the robber trying to take away the slant routes, which is one of the things I told you I wanted to see us do, and I'm glad we we did that. We played a couple of times. I think we were supposed to be in a zone coverage there. or Either we were supposed to be in zone or supposed to be man, but there was some somebody was not playing what they were supposed to play. And I think Poole might have supposed to have been in a zone coverage there. And with, yeah, with a if you go, go back and look, away, he's the, he's he's the one. He, yeah, if you go back and look, William Poole is the one that crashed really yeah. – um, when it looks like everyone had their man but him. And I then you go back to, to that huge, back into his own. Yeah, and then you go back to that huge third down conversion when Mechie gets it and changes at the end of the first half. Um, I know, you know, I know a lot happened which led to the, you know Bryce Young's running it in himself, but realistically that drive would have stopped, would have been killed right if Poole stays on his guy. And Instead, it's a different he doesn't. Game well, I'm not only that, but think up. back to the touch the, the touchdown that John Mechie had also, Poole never got on him. I know. I, I, I'm going to go back to that, that third down, Curtis. So we score, we tie it 17-17, right? We got the momentum. I turned to my wife in the, in the stands. I said, this is awesome, but we score too fast, right? We gave him too much time. We've got to get a stop here. I think I tweeted it out too. Have to get a stop here. 
had to because we knew they got the ball in the second half and they'd been they had been gathering some momentum offensively they scored a couple of consecutive possessions there we got them to third and long which is where you want to be we did a great job getting a third and long and then john mechie runs a very simple flat route john mechie was not the number one option on that play he probably wasn't the number two option he was basically just running around trying to take a defender out of the play he was not the number one option we were supposed to be we were running his own coverage okay i'm sorry we were running a man coverage there William Poole drops underneath into zone. I don't know what he's doing. And look, I can forgive William Poole for, you know, getting beat physically. He, you know, that's okay. It's that's forgivable. You are who you are. You're going out there. You're competing. You're the best you can. What is unforgivable to me are mental mistakes like that. You know what I mean? Like, because that, Curtis, that, that changed the game. That changed the game. Because going to halftime is a very different animal than 24-17. And they get the ball. Yeah, I agree. And that killed us. And, and that's why like, I'm it, very angry at him. I and I, yeah, I, absolutely. And here's and I'm I'm angry with it, at him. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with him. I'm angry at the coaches for putting him in that position. The kick out. He went out there and played. He hasn't played a ton. And here's my thing. This dude has been here for four years, Curtis. How many meaningful snaps has William Poole played in his entire career, at Georgia? I know there's a reason he shouldn't have been out there, and that's why I'm I'm I know people want to say it's Kirby's defense. But realistically, I'm very angry with the way Dan Lanning, because in the end, I think that Dan Lanning has a lot of say, and he just, to me, Dan Lanning, in all purposes, crapped the bed. I think he doesn't want to say in the secondary, obviously, but Kirby is basically our secondary coach, essentially. Yeah. I just, it's, uh, I mean, I know we have Jamila die, and he's going to have factor into it as well, obviously, but Kirby is back there coaching secondary, has a significant say in who is starting secondary. I'm going to put a lot of that on Kirby Smart. All of our defensive staff, yes, but it's just, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't get it. This guy's played basically zero meaningful snaps his entire career. And oh, yeah, you know what? The biggest game of the year against Alabama, who throws the ball over the field, who can challenge us in a way that nobody else really can, except maybe Ohio State. You know what? Let's throw you out there, buddy. You know what? You're the answer. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And it's not just him. I, I Trust me, it's not just him. I know that. But that is just one decision, that personal decision. I just don't get. I just don't get. Uh, I also want to go here, Curtis. There's enough William Poole bashing there. How big of a deal was Chris Smith not being 100% in this game? A huge deal. I mean, think about the Jameson William touchdown on catch on that very first catch or that very first touchdown he had. I knew as soon as I saw it was Chris Smith chasing him, there was no way yeah, you were going to catch, catch him. And he might not have caught him anyway, even if it was 100%, but I knew he had no chance with coming off the injury and the knee bothering him. I, I knew he had no chance, no chance there. And also early in that game, Curtis, you know, Dan Jackson got beat uh, on a vertical shot. And, and he, he, you know, and Dan Jackson playing as hard as he can, man. I mean, Dan Jackson's a good, solid player. He's not going to. Here's another structural problem, Curtis. Why on God's green earth are we having Dan Jackson matched up man-to-man with John Mechie? All right? And I know this, I, I, I've advocated man coverage, but that's why I'm like I'm talking about two-man, two deep safeties, man underneath. Dan Jackson covering John Mechie one-on-one. Curtis, how many times? If they ran that route 100 times, how many times did Dan Jackson win that? About five times. Maybe five, maybe five, maybe, you know, throw him a bone here or there. And as soon as that happened, honestly, they took him out of the game and maybe, maybe the very next play. And I'm not sure he really played much after that. Um, and then, so you have a, a, I don't say a gimpy, but certainly not a hundred percent Chris Smith out there. And I think you're right. What you said earlier in the show, I think ideally what we want to do is go to what we were doing against Tennessee. Once we made an adjustment there, put Chris Smith at star, have Dan Jackson at safety, 
But with Smith not 100%, you just can't really trust him in the slot right now. And, and I don't know if that's what they want to do long-term, but you kind of got the feeling after that Tennessee game, the way it worked out, how we were able to kind of shut them down a little bit. But Chris Smith being injured really, really hampered that potential game plan. But um, I don't know, man. It just wasn't good enough all around. We did a good job stopping the run, which I felt like we would. But again, when you give up 421 yards passing, which sets an SEC record, you're not going to win football games. I don't care. You're just not going to win football games. And Curtis, I don't want to say we saw this coming. We didn't sit here and say we saw this coming. Uh, you did, I guess. I mean, you predicted Alabama to win. I got to give you some some props there. I will say, but, I you said you said I will say, um, this is not a I told you so, but forever you're like I don't know if someone will score in the thirty on us. I was and wrong. I told you it would happen. I was wrong about that. And it did. I did not think somebody would. I didn't think this guy would score that many. And I told you it happened when we faced a better team. You you were right about that. I I will I will man up and admit I was wrong there. I didn't think it was gonna happen. I didn't think that we would be in a shootout type situation. I thought it was unlikely. I, nothing's impossible. It's college football. Everything's possible. I know that. I just thought it was unlikely. I knew, I knew it was just a matter of when we played someone who could. Yeah, I, I felt like we would stop their run game and make them one-dimensional, and we would be uh, we would be better equipped to kind of pressure the quarterback. And I think the answer – I think we can still do that. Honestly, I think we played Alabama. I know this sounds crazy to people. I think we can hold them under 30 points if we actually have a decent game plan, uh, like we saw in the second half. But the game plan was a problem. It was just a flat-out problem. I, we just – I, I again I can't go back I can go back to it I can't explain I can't explain it I I, I don't have any words for it. but yes uh, Curtis you're right about that and that's but I will say in my defense that's why I told you guys I was like forever I would get getting questions like hey a potential playoff matchup which team scares you the most my answer was always Ohio State right it's always Ohio State because I felt that they were best equipped to do something like Alabama just did to us they were the bones the best equipped to do that and I told you guys last week that Alabama was not only the toughest game that we had played to date that was pretty obvious. Alabama would be the toughest game that we would play the rest of the year, no matter who we've matched up with in the playoff. It would be the toughest matchup for us because of what they can do through the air. I knew that a secondary was, I don't want to call it a weakness, but the weakest part of our defense. Maybe it is a weakness. Maybe, maybe I should just go that far now and say it's a weakness. Um, and that those two teams could challenge us in a way that nobody else can. Like Michigan, we'll, you know, we'll talk more about that later on this week and in the coming weeks. Michigan's a really good matchup for us. They're a really talented team, but they are basically built the exact same way as us. They want to run the football down your throat, and what do we be having to be really good at? Stopping the run. I don't know if they can beat us through the air like Alabama did. I don't know if they have the personnel to do that. Um, but that's, that's why I told you guys. It was the toughest matchup for us. It's also why I told you guys Alabama absolutely could beat us. I didn't predict it was going to happen, but I knew they could. But Curtis, you're right. You, you called it, man. I'll give you credit there, 100%. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Um, let's go, Curtis. Uh, we've buried the lead long enough. We got to talk about the quarterback situation that we're in right now. I'm going to let you take this off the top because I know that you are very frustrated and you have been certainly more critical of Stetson Bennett than I have been throughout the years. So I'm going to give you some props here and uh, allow you to take it off the top. Well, as I just said a second ago, I do hate to say I told you so, but I told you also. Um, yes, you I did. I, I will stand this. by. What I, told, what I said is that Stetson Bennett could – I think that we can win a national title with Stetson Bennett. And I stand by that. I absolutely stand by that. I think we can win a national title with Stetson Bennett. The problem is it has to be a – team like against anybody that can't force us into a shootout. If anybody forces us into a shootout – very clearly, it's obvious, Stetson Bennett is not the well, answer. And, and that's what I said. I, it, I told you. I told it literally. I've been saying it since day one. Stetson could not win us a big game, especially if we had to score points and he had to throw the ball 40 times. And everyone said, well, he's changed. This is no longer the Stetson of last year. Yeah, well, when we needed him most and we had to throw the ball forty about 40 times, the Stetson of last year showed up again, just like I said he would. I said he would start pressing. Oh, what exactly did he do? He started pressing. He threw two picks, including one pick six. Should have thrown three picks, including two pick six, if that first pick wasn't dropped on the very first drive, because that's a pick six right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, he he doesn't hit his it's, it's what I expected. I mean, realistically, to all these fans that are upset and like, uh, just and all flabbergasted. I'm more of like, what did you expect? Did you really expect anything different? Stetson has been good this year, but it's in very limited duty. I mean, the guy before Saturday had thrown 11 times in all of the fourth quarter in his whole time since he's taken over. And yet you really think he's been pushed to a position where he's not like where he, he, he all of a sudden when he found himself in a position where he had to make plays and make things happen, he wouldn't resort to that one where he presses and presses and presses because that's exactly mm-hmm. what he did. Realistically, out there, I, I, I found this stat. I think it was SEC stats, and this is what's going to kill us the most. Stetson's finished with a higher uncatchable pass rate than success rate on third down against SEC defenses this year. You win the game on third downs, and he does not win on third downs for us. Um, it's just we a fact of the matter. Situations. Well, uh, well, we've always situations. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, I've always said he, he's successful on you know, first and second downs. Third downs, when teams know we're going to throw, he has a very low success rate. Yeah, And and the thing is, what bothers me the most is this thing of, well, we we have to, if, unless we're only in this scenario, we're, we can't win with him. To me, that is just an absolute joke because we're we're literally admitting that unless everything goes our way, we're just going to cash in the chips and we can't win because that it's just the fact of the matter. And that's, that's a, that's just not the definition of a good football team or a true good football team as everyone has claimed we are. And we've shown we were up until then that if when it's tough and you have to make those big plays, you can't make them because it doesn't fit what he's set to do. And the only way he can be successful is in these certain situations. Yes. Very well said. Um, yes. You have been on Stetson. I, I will give you credit for that. But I will I'll go back to, to, to slightly defend myself. I will go back and say when I early in the year was saying this, that we could win a national title with Stetson Bennett, that was based off of the idea that 
if we were able to hold teams in check defensively and Stetson did not have to throw the ball 30 plus times. I was very clear saying, go back and look at his career when he's had to Oh, and I'm, and I'm not saying I not told good. you so just to, Yeah, I'm not saying I told you so just to you. I mean, it's literally everyone out there who's been, you know, Stetson's the man, like pretty much has thrown JT or anyone else to the side. It's like Stetson's our Bryce Young all of a sudden. No, and those are more of the people I'm talking to. That like the people that are shocked he played so bad. You, you, you want to know the difference in this game, Curtis? Honestly, the difference in this game is Alabama has Bryce Young and we don't. It's that simple. I I, I think we're more because talented. Even, even the, like 135, I, I think we're more talented. I, I, I will stand by that. I think yeah. 135, we're more talented. And, and that's an indictment on the coaches. But we don't yeah. have Bryce Young. I am almost I'm almost what? to the point where I'm convinced. And, I, and you never say never. You never speak in absolutes. You know, I, you guys have been listening for a long time. You, you know, I don't believe in speaking absolutes because there's always ex- exceptions here and there. But generally speaking, Curtis, in the era of the college football playoff, I don't think you can win a national title without an NFL quarterback. I just don't think that you can. Stetson Bennett is clearly not an NFL quarterback. JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett's barely, he's barely a power five quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. So that and that's that's that is the difference. Until we get a guy the caliber of Bryce Young at quarterback, and maybe we have on the roster, maybe we don't. I don't know. But we know that Stetson Bennett is not that guy. Until we get a guy like that, we're going to win a lot of football games. We're going to continue to win a lot of football games because we recruit so well. We have such good players. Our coaches, on general, are, are generally speaking, are really good. But we are not going to win a game like that in the cultural playoff and win a national title until we get an elite quarterback why did we not win in 2017 jake Fromm is really good for us but jake jake Fromm had limitations they had two talking about coming off the bench that's why they won all right we didn't have that you gotta have nfl quarterbacks mac jones nfl quarterback i'll Sean tell you Watt, what it would, it would just trevor lawrence nfl quarterback you gotta have an nfl quarterback to win a national title and i don't know if we have that well, guy more than, i don't know more more than anything it'd be nice to someone who just can handle pressure because anytime the going gets tough stats and falters Yes, and that's what – And so here's my thing with Stetson, okay? And this is not trying to defend myself. It's just it's my thoughts on Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett has been really good for us this year because Stetson Bennett is great when things are under control. But when things break down and we are forced outside of our offensive comfort zone, he then becomes a liability. That's a, and, and you're right about the throwing the ball 30-plus times. That's what I said earlier in the year too is – if, and that's why I didn't think that – that's why I felt like we'd be okay in a game like that because I didn't – I was wrong. I didn't think a team would score like that on us, and I don't. I felt like Stetson would not be – our offense would not be forced out of its comfort zone. Stetson wouldn't have to throw 40-plus times, but I was wrong about that. But I felt all along, I'm with you there. If Stetson had to throw 40-plus times, it's, it's the same thing with Jake Fromm. When Jake Fromm had to throw 40-plus times, we don't win because that's not our offensive comfort zone. And Stetson is not good enough to be able to do something different when we get out of that offensive comfort zone. There's a very specific formula where Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback for us. And when we are, when that formula gets thrown out of whack, then he simply becomes a liability and he cannot win games for us. Well, realistically, that realistically, that, that formula you're talking about is against anyone that's not a top team. Well, see, I, I slightly disagree with that. I, I don't think that like Michigan, well, I know we'll talk a little more about that in the coming weeks, but I don't think Michigan is the kind of team that's going to put up those kind of points on our defense. Our defense is built to slow down a team like Michigan in a way that we're not built to slow down a team like Alabama or Ohio State. I don't know if Michigan gets us into a scoring fest like that. That's and so I, that's why I think we can. I honestly think that we can beat Michigan with Stetson Bennett. I know people don't want to hear that right now because everyone's mad at well, Stetson. My, well, no. I think I we can beat Michigan with Stetson. 
I will push back because one thing Stetson's game, not only does he not handle the pressure well, he has very poor pocket presence. And I know JT's not this super mobile guy, but his pocket presence is better. Those guys are going to get pressure. The biggest difference between, yeah, I know Bryce Young is a lot better quarterback than Stetson. The biggest difference is Bryce Young keeps his cool in the pocket. We got a lot of pressure on times on him, but he kept his cool. Stetson, as soon as the pocket starts to break down even a little bit, he's running for his life. He's scared. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has terrible pocket presence. And against Michigan, you can't have a quarterback like that either because they're going to get pressure. Yes, that's that's true. I, I will agree this pocket presence is not dynamic. He's also not Bryce Young. Cal- like, like when he he's mobile, but he's not Bryce Young mobile. Let's just be real. He's just not. So when Kirby talks about, talks about mobility, it's like, yeah, Stetson's more – it's all relative. Yeah, Stetson's more mobile than JT, but, like, there's a spectrum here. He's not close to where Bryce Young is from a, a mobility standpoint on the spectrum of mobility. He's just not. He just doesn't have that kind of athleticism. Uh, I don't know. All right, so let's get to JT here, Curtis. Are you ready to throw in the towel on Stetson Bennett and JT be our guy going into the playoffs against Michigan? This sounds terrible, but at the <laughs> – at this point, I'm so sick and tired of the Stetson. Thing. I'm like, so tired I'm of talking much, about I, it, man. I cannot tell you how tired I, I am. To be honest, I've been done with him for a while, and the fact is because I knew something like this was going to happen where we would have to score points and it wouldn't happen. And I'm not saying JT's the perfect fit and everything's going to be magical. But if you go back and watch the game, all those, those especially the the two, the one pick six that did happen and the other pick, the pick six that should have happened, one of the biggest things about Stetson is no one's afraid of him hitting the deep ball on them. Those cor- those safeties sit there on the intermediate balls, ready to jump on those short routes from Stetson, and he doesn't see the field. Like well, I heard he after even, the post game, yeah. on the pick in six, the post game, he's so like, late. well, in the in the in the in the press conference, he's like, I didn't see the safety. Well, did you not see him when they did it earlier in the game? You survived throwing a pick six, but you do it again later, and this time they don't drop it. Like. It, I, I, I'm not saying JT is the answer and it's going to make everything better. But especially with what we were doing with Stetson, he was throwing short passes. JT, sure, as heck can do, though, just to get rid of the ball quickly. Like, he's really good at that also. But he gives us a lot better shot down the field, seeing the field better than what Stetson does. And one thing is I've always said, too, is Stetson was going to struggle against a good team because he looks for someone to be open before he throws the ball. He doesn't throw people open, and he's too hesitant with throwing the ball. You just got to get rid of it and know where you're going. Well, he's hit or miss with that. He does, he's thrown plenty of balls this year with good anticipation. He just doesn't do it consistently. Or sometimes where he'll just sit there and wait too long. And that's what happened on the pick six. They had, they were running a robber coverage. Jordan Bat- or Battle was coming out. Jordan Battle was coming down there in coverage, uh, playing the robber. And Stetson, go back and watch replay, guys. He was sitting there, if you can stomach it. He was sitting there staring down Kenny McIntosh the entire time and threw it insanely late. Now, I can understand to a degree throwing it that late if you're going through different reads and you come back to him late. He didn't come back to him late. He wasn't going through progressions. He was going to Kenny McIntosh the entire time. It was so absurdly late throwing that ball. It wasn't even funny. That ball never well, had a chance. Just, to just like, just like the pick, the pick where he's trying to go to Brock Bowers. I know he was starting to get some pressure, but he eyed down Brock Bowers. It was obvious he was going to Brock. He wasn't looking at anyone else. If you go back and look at the play, Lad McConkey's wide open right behind him. And there's and that's why I've for said a touchdown all year, like, for yeah, a yeah. touchdown. But he he, yes. he eyes his people down, and that's what bought. I've he he always has eyed everyone down, and I knew this was. I'm not shocked this happened because I knew this was happening and. It's all the things I've said and I've seen that knew this was going to happen. And, and like I said, I know JT's not perfect. I know he's not as mobile as Stetson, but he sees the field better, and I feel like he knows where he wants to go with the ball and, and doesn't have to eye down people. 
as I said earlier, you know, I, 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 I'm, I didn't see Alabama scoring or, or put, I, I certainly not see them putting up 421 yards. Like I feel, I figured they would have some success. I didn't see getting to that kind of scoring contest there, but once it did, I knew Stetson wasn't, like, I was sitting there stadium. I was like, we have no chance. Stetson, this is not what Stetson's built to do. Like we are not going to come no. back from this deficit with Stetson being a quarterback. I, I well, knew and, and it's, we it's a testament also that people won't admit it, but there is a faction, especially the skill players that are frustrated with our offense, especially under Stetson Bennett. I'm sorry to say, but they probably have a good reason why. I mean, I, I can I can speculate and say it makes sense that they would be frustrated. Um, I don't have the I don't have that on good authority. I don't have anyone that's told me that, so I can't speak on that directly. But, but I mean, it, it makes sense. Not speaking sense. on it directly, if it is in in fact true, like it said, it, it's it, it's it's kind of not a surprise. No, I mean, it certainly it, it makes sense. I mean, I I get that. I just. Yeah, but all right, Curtis. So JT, you're going Orange Bowl against Michigan. JT's your guy. I mean, at this point, my biggest thing is, especially, I believe a lot of it has to do with Kirby being a little bit stubborn at the same time. But the fact is, a little bit stubborn. Well, I'm trying to be nice, but the fact is, this whole Stetson experiment didn't work when you needed it on the biggest stage. What do you have to lose by putting JT in, who has played and has put up yards especially in the passing has all these things that he can do a little bit better instead and throw the ball down feel better give us a better chance to win and things like that what do you have to lose because it's already shown that you're not going to win the big game with if you have to score points it's unfathomable you know what i'm saying it's just in, like what do you have to lose it's not and, and people are acting like i could understand the hesitance if it was secondary where jt had been the guy all year and you're like well wait do we go stats and this didn't work out this time but jt has been our guy before so it's not like we're trying to start it's not like we're doing the phaeton bowda thing where you're just skipping down to someone who's never played before yeah i um i don't have a defense for that when we went down 38 17 um on the pick six it's I like the word unfathomable, Curtis. It defies logic, defies understanding, defies reason to me. Well, why I, I actually, I actually understand not bringing him in in the game because at this point, you weren't coming back when we were down 21. Let's be honest. We were not coming back. So well, we, what, we, actually, we had a sh- – like, it was very unlikely, but like we weren't completely without of the question of coming back there. I mean, I get that, but the fact is like you already know you're going to have to be dealing with a lot of quarterback stuff going forward now after how – piss poor stats and play it was only going to make it even worse i don't think the head coach can worry about that i understand optics matter but in that situation when you still have a chance might not have been a great chance but you still have a chance to come back and win that game You've got to be willing to make that move because it was very clear in that game Stetson Bennett was not going to get the job done. And I do understand that JT probably had very limited reps all week long and maybe that was a factor in it. But you can't, as a head coach, sit there and say, well, I just don't want to create a situation where I have to answer more questions about the quarterback situation, and that's going to be the deciding factor, and that's why I'm not going to go with JT. And maybe that was Kirby's thinking, and if that's the case, that's unacceptable. The bottom line here, Curtis, is that Kirby Smart has been incredibly stubborn when it and comes to— And he won't admit he made the wrong choice. And you guys know that I, in the past, like, I don't want to— I don't, certainly don't want to open up the can of worms of Justin Fields, Jake Fromm. I don't want to go there, but— I, in the past, when it comes to some of these quarterback situations, I have defended Kirby and saying that he's been a victim of circumstance at times. This year, that's not the case. Yes, the first couple games, you know, after you know the Clemson game, JT dealt with a lat injury, and then we had to deal with that for a couple of weeks. But he's been healthy since about October for a while now, and Kirby has made the decision 100% to go with Stetson Bennett. It's not a matter of Stetson's just healthy and JT's not like it was last year. 
That question's not even there. JT is healthy, and he continues to go with Stetson Bennett. Kirby has shown in the past, you can go back with Jake Fromm, that if we are winning and things are going well, he is not going to rock the boat. He is a prisoner of the moment. He is hyper-focused on the now and winning this game, the next game. And I think this is a flaw of his. In some ways, it is a great strength of his that he's so focused on getting the job done that helps us win a lot of games. But where it comes back to hurt us is that he doesn't look down the road as much and say, okay, well, this is going to help us win this game right now. Like maybe playing Stetson gives us the best chance to win this game. But you've got to start looking further down the road and say, okay, but when we get to this point and we're playing these better teams, is Stetson still the answer? Or might JT give us a better chance? And I think that is a very fair criticism of Kirby Spar. He's just so hyper-focused on the now and doesn't really look down the road and try to plan for the future. And like I understand not planning for the future as in like the next season. That was my thing with the, with the Jay Fromm, Justin Fields thing. I still maintain that Jay Fromm was the right choice in 2018. I think Justin Fields would have beaten him out in 2019 if Fields would have stayed. The fact is, Fields was not ready to be the starting quarterback in 2018. And here's where I disagree with a lot of people. Some people would say, well, you know, if, he, if you think he's going to be the answer in years to come, you go ahead and you bite the bullet now and you sacrifice 2018. I don't think as a coach you can do that. I'm going to completely sacrifice this year and say, you know, we're going to lose a game or two with, with this guy who's not quite ready, but that's going to pay dividends in the future, in the coming years. But when you're looking at in this season, you're saying, okay, well, well, we want to win week six, but that might not put us in the best position to win the SEC championship game. I think in that case, we still would have, if we would have played JT once he got healthy and, and kind of just given him his job back, I still think we would have beaten all those teams that we beat. And now we would be in a better position heading into the college football playoff. And that doesn't mean that Stetson hasn't done really good things for us this year. He has. He might have been the right answer in the moment, in the now, which is what Kirby's focused on. But long term, the rest of the way this season, I don't think, clearly I think we can see now that wasn't the right choice. And you have to understand, so I've said this many times about Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, Curtis, is a defensive guy at heart. That's his background, right? And so as a defensive guy, he is very risk-averse when it comes to the quarterback position and offensive football in general. Now he's he's allowed the offense which to is open a joke. A because, which is a joke because he'll put. I think it's a joke because he put William Poole out there, so he was worth. Yes. He was, was but, okay to risk that. You're right. You're right. But talking about offensively, he wants the offense as a defensive coach. He wants the offense to play complementary football, right? And he's opened it up. He's allowed the offense to open up some. Give him a little bit of credit there, but not enough. And the, the sticking with Stetson Bennett, he he has felt, I guess that Stetson is more of a, is a better game manager and we have this great defense. So Stetson's a better option to just not go out there and screw it up. He gets us a little bit of mobility. Kirby has a defensive guy, understands firsthand how tough it is to defend mobile quarterbacks. And so he's like, yeah, it makes sense. Let's go with this guy. But when Stetson Bennett is making game-killing turnovers like that, it's indefensible to keep him in the game. It's simply because if you're if you're trying to justify that, say, well, you know what? He, he's a, he's the game manager. He's the guy that we can trust not turn the ball over, not put us in bad positions. He literally, by definition, put us in bad positions. We get in the red zone twice and come away with zero points. If we come away with points in one of those possessions, different ball game. And then the pick six is just the absolute backbreaker. We were still cursed. We legit legitimately had a chance to still win that football game. The way these yeah, as bad as bad as bad as the defense as bad as the defense played, they bowed their necks and gave us a chance to get back in that game. And Stetson and yeah. the offense didn't come through. The picks, even if like we don't get points on that drive, if we don't throw a pick six, 
we still had a chance. We made adjustments on defense. We were finally playing with a, with a better scheme. Mechie's out. We had a chance, and Stetson killed us second year in a row against Alabama. And I'll and if you want to say I was wrong on that, that's fine. But I'll go back to what I said. My my thing was if we can keep it from being a shootout, Stetson's a good option for us. It gets into that situation. He has to throw the ball forty plus times. That's not what Stetson Bennett does. It's not what Jay Fraud is. Not what Stetson Bennett does. Both those quarterbacks are similar in that they're really good for us. We're good for us when things are going well, when things are in control offensively. And the defense, you can lean on your defense like Kirby Smart wants to do. But when things break down, they're not able to put a team on their back and go win you a football game. That's not what those guys are built to do, all right? They are, by definition, game managers, and that's that's just the reality of it, all right? And it doesn't mean Stetson isn't good. It doesn't mean Stetson hasn't done good things for us. He has done really good things for us. But in a situation like that, he is not the answer. Now I'm going to go to JT here real quick. I know you got to get out of here in a few minutes. You touched on JT. I just want to throw a couple things out there. Here's my concern, Curtis. My concern is that we do not have an answer at quarterback. I think there's a really good possibility that we have two halves of a good quarterback, two separate halves. Bryce Young, for example, is a total package quarterback. He can hurt you with his legs. He can escape pressure. He can also kill you with his arm. That's a total package NFL quarterback. My concern is we have on one hand Stetson, a guy who's mobile, but uh, an average passer at best. And then on the other hand, we have JT, who's a much better passer, sees the field better, all those kind of things, but is a statue back there in the pocket. I am concerned that we do not have an answer at quarterback. I, I know people are, are clamoring for JT, and I get that, and I am with you right now, Chris. I think now is the time with a, with a month to prepare to go in there in the, in the Orange Bowl with JT Daniels as your starting quarterback and to actually activate a lot of the weapons that we have because we have so many weapons on offense, so we've got to activate those guys. But my concern is that he's not the he might not be the quarterback that everyone wants to make him out to be. Yes, he's a former five-star guy. I know that that's, that's a comparison. Well, Stetson's a former walk-on. JT's a former hotshot five-star guy, and he's our answer. And I hope to God he is. I really do. And I'm not saying for sure he's not. I just – I have concerns in saying that he might not be. There's, there's no guarantee that he is the silver bull. He's the magic bull that's going to save the season and be the savior of this team. Maybe he will. Again, I, I hope he is. But – what if, honestly, Chris, what have we seen from JT to suggest that he's like an elite quarterback? Like, be honest, like, better than Stetson? Yes, I'm not asking that. But an elite quarterback? What have we seen from him to this point in his career to, to suggest that he is that? I mean, I don't know if we've seen enough to say he's an elite. I don't, I'm not even trying to say he's on Bryce Young's level. But oh, the not. fact is, is, what he has, his measurables, give us a better shot to win than what Stetson Bennett's has. And that's all we're asking for is to elite. Like you said, we have all these weapons. Allow us to use these weapons. Yes. I, and he I, gives I, us a better I, shot to use those weapons. And that's all we can ask for. And you think that is more advantageous than what Stetson gives us in the run game? What good is the run game if you want, especially once you get inside the 20 and you need to make some of these throws and some of these decisions and it all goes to hell? Like realistically, between the 20 yard line, our offense was a lot better than Alabama's was between the 20s. Mm-hmm. Bama hit the big plays and also scored once they got in the red zone. We moved the ball up and down, but when we got in the red zone, we couldn't make the stuff happen. So what good was Stetson Bennett's feet or helping the run game? It was zero good because he cost us in the passing game. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's time to go to JT. I'm still not convinced he is I'm not, and I'm not and I'm not and I'm not sitting here saying he's going to make everything better but the fact is he does certain things better than Stetson that at least give us a better chance of winning in my opinion which I've said since day 1 
Well, the, the problem, there's like, a reason you know, he was like, our our. He, there's a reason he was our question starting quarterback coming into the year. Yes, at some point, what happened? I don't know what happens. I'm not behind closed doors, but at some point between JT getting hurt and now something happened to convince all of our offensive coaches, Kirby, Todd Monk, and all those guys that Stetson Bennett was the better option. Hopefully their eyes have been opened here. I can't guarantee that. I don't know. Honestly, I have like, do you have faith that it's actually going to happen? Because honestly, I don't believe that Kirby's going to make that move. I think he's so stubborn that. No, I've said all year, Kirby. Well, you it may, he may not have the gonads. He may not have to get over his stubbornness. But once again, I'm not shocked if Kirby wastes this amazing defense. Even though it got burnt, we still have a really good defense. Wasted all because he wants to prove he was right. And you know what? If that's the case, then we're net, nothing's ever going to change because why would a five-star quarterback want to come in if you're going to choose this other guy because you want to prove you're right? You, why does anyone want to play for someone that's so stubborn they're willing – even if I was a defensive player, I'm not going to go play for you because you're going to throw away all my hard work, all our effort to prove you were right. Your stubbornness is more important than putting the team forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But all right, I know you got to get out of here in a few minutes, Carson. Kind of put a, a nice little bow on the SEC championship game. We lost this game for a lot of reasons. Stetson was a part of it. Defensively, was a part of it. Honestly, Curtis, like we basically did all the things that I said that we couldn't do. You know, when we talk about the keys. Yeah, the when I show. said when I said what the game would come down to, turnovers and yep. explosive plays, we literally lost those two things. Yeah, my, that was those are my keys to the game. Don't give up explosive plays, and you can't. You have to play a clean game. You can't commit turnovers. And, um, yeah, clearly did not do that. Uh, we gave up big plays, and we had two killer turnovers, and you get in the red zone against a team like Alabama – team of that caliber you simply have to score you cannot come away with zero points two times that, that that's that changes the game like in some ways not like throwing the interception on there not scoring is almost it wasn't as big of a bat breaker obviously as a pick six but it wasn't that far off because you when you get into the red zone against a team like that that can score you've got to put a point so we basically did everything that you and i said that we couldn't do to win this game so it was basically just um a case study in how to not win a football game against an elite opponent even though you have incredibly elite talent of your own so there's that you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lipsandads.com now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, Curtis, I know you got to get out of here before too long. But I have just a couple more things that I want to discuss before we get out of here today. And let's go here next. As bad of a loss as that was, as frustrating as it was for us all to sit there and watch that, the fact remains that we have still been very, very good all football season long. And we still found ourselves in the final four of the college football playoff ranking. So we are in the college football playoff, Curtis. However... To ultimately accomplish all the things that you and I and everyone else out there listening and everyone else in Dog Nation wants to accomplish, it is still very likely that we are going to have to play Alabama again and get over that hurdle. We're going to have to beat the tide if we want to win the national title. Maybe Cincinnati upsets them. 
I still think that's very unlikely. Right now, I'm fully expecting for Alabama to be sitting there in Indianapolis if we were able to get past Michigan. So, Curtis, if some way, somehow, we manage to put ourselves in a position for a rematch with Alabama, how confident are you that we could actually win that rematch? You know, I'm actually confident. Um, well, God, a lot of that depends if we make some changes at quarterback. Um, but realistically, defensively, where it really let us down, I'm more confident. Um, hopefully, Chris Smith is healed by then, and we can go more with that defense of what we, you and I discussed earlier about him at star position and Dan Jackson at safety, where Dan Jackson does a better job of keeping it in front of him, where he struggles more so is in coverage. And if you play the two-deep safety and keep him out of the man-to-man, um, our defense can be better. Um, they also got a taste of Bryce Young and where we broke down sometimes. And I uh, also think you just can't discount how big of a loss John Mechie is. I know they have some good underclassmen. Um, you still have Jamison Williams, but the fact is Mechie was that crafty veteran, which everyone knows how important crafty veterans are, um, especially with quarterbacks. Like He made a lot of big plays on them for them on third downs and things like that. Um, and he also just takes away attention from Jamison Williams because he can hurt you just as much. So I think that that loss is going to be big for them uh, long term. Um, and I think that if we get another shot, I don't think they'll do anything that we haven't seen because they played desperate. They had to win just to get into the playoffs. So they showed everything they had and gave everything they had. So we've seen their best shot um, realistically. And they, uh, everyone, like Nick Saban, they got the positive rat poison this time um, that helped them invigorate them. And, I, you know, I'm not going to speak on the offense as much because I'm not sure how they're going to rebound. But defensively, I think that they'll rebound in a good way. I'm kind of there with you. because I, Look, I know the final score is 17 points, and it looked like it was getting away from us there for a while. And, and you can call some of those points that we scored in the second half garbage time points. I don't think they were garbage time points. They had their stars out there. They were trying to stop us. We were trying to come back and win the game. But really, Curtis, if you really think about it and you get past the frustration and you calm down a little bit, that game – Change on a couple of plays, right? Obviously, the pick six, the interception in the in the um, in the red zone, and also let's not forget, Curse, the play that could have happened but wasn't when we forced the fumble there in the red zone with I think it was the red zone, right? I think it was Devontae yeah. Wyatt knocks the ball out of Bryce Young's hands. They happened to fall back on a recover curse. That changes right there too if we recover that fumble where no one tried to pick it up instead of just falling on it. Yeah, just instead of just falling on it. Yeah. So there are a couple of plays there. If it goes the other way, and it might not go the other way, but I don't think we're as far away from being able to beat Alabama as it might feel right now coming out of that game. I mean, look, I know they outgained us by close to 100 yards, but you know th- there were a lot of things that went wrong for us in the first half. We certainly did not come out with the right defensive game plan. And in a team in the rematch like that, when the talent is as close as it is between the two teams, honestly, from 185 of your scholarship players, generally speaking, I do like – now, it doesn't always work out. I didn't work out for Oregon and Utah – but I like the edge coming into that game, understanding that what we did did not work. And we're going to have a different game plan. We're going to do things differently. Who knows? We might even have a different quarterback. We'll see. I don't know. And you're right, Curtis. John Mechie being out is huge. I hate it for him. That sucks for the guy. I don't want to see him get injured. But, Curtis, I mean, look at their receiving numbers. Jameis Williams got 1,400 yards receiving. John Mechie's got 1,100 yards receiving. The next closest receiver has 333 yards. Slade Bolden. They don't have another option. That makes it really hard. James Williams is awesome. He's still going to make plays. It makes it a lot harder on him to be able to make those plays when he doesn't have a guy to compliment him on the other side that you also have to account for. That's a very, very interesting development there with John Mechie going down. Because he's like, I know they were able to, to, to 
whether that storm last year when Jalen Waddle went down with Devontae Smith. But Curtis, as good as Jamison Williams is, he's not Devontae Smith, okay? He's not Devontae Smith. He's just not. He's not the Heisman Trophy winner. He's good. He ain't that good. He's not that dude. So I don't know how they're going to be able to replace that. They're still awesome. They're still be really good. But that's a, that really makes it interesting there. And let's talk about this too, Curtis. George Pickens did some nice things for us when he got a chance. He's going to get away at two catches. One really nice catch down there, the vertical shot. George Pickens have a whole other month to recover and to get reacquainted back with this offense. I think George Pickens, a month from now, if we end up playing Alabama again, if we get past Michigan in the Orange Bowl, which is certainly not a, a sure thing, George Pickens might play a bigger role and might be a difference maker in that game, especially if you have a guy like J.T. Daniels at quarterback. We'll see. I, I still am not 100% sure I trust. Actually, I don't trust Kirby to make that decision right now. He's shown no willingness to do that at any point in his career. So I, I don't I, – I, I, I hope – I hope – I honestly just hope that um... – Tom Monk and lays it out on the line and, and shows he's willing to die for because. Well, how do you know that other, Tom Monk is not the guy that's that's pushing for Stetson Bennett? Well, if he is, then he should be fired just as much as Kirby <laughs> should when it comes to dealing with the offense. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, enough about that game. We've beaten that dead horse. I don't know if I've it, if I have it in me to talk about it for another second. Honestly, it's tough. But let's talk about some um, some more positive news. So yes, the dogs did manage to stay in the top four coming in number three, and we will be matched up with the Michigan Wolverines in Miami in the Orange Bowl on December 31st, 7.30 p.m. Curtis, really early thoughts here. Obviously, we'll have a lot more content on this specific game and breaking down Michigan in the coming weeks, but what are your early thoughts on this matchup with Michigan? I know this is wild, but I'm actually more excited to play them than I am Cincinnati. Um, And the number one reason is – you mentioned earlier, Michigan literally plays into our strength. Um, they are like a carbon copy of what we do, especially offensively. They want to pound it, the, the rock. They want to run. They're pretty stubborn in the run game. The receivers, you know, play action, do a lot off the run game. But their receivers are not Alabama's receivers. I don't even think they're as good as Tennessee's receivers. You know, I was talking they're to someone not. earlier. And, they're not. Yeah, and I was talking to someone earlier. You know who Michigan reminds me of? Is actually yeah. Arkansas. Um, oh, interesting. Arkansas is who, is who I would give a comp to. Like they have to run the ball to sh- set up everything else. Um, that yeah. you know, think of everything Kendall Browse wants to do at Arkansas. A lot of it is built off the run game. Like they have to be successful in the run game and want to beat you in the run game, or else it really doesn't set up everything else. Um, and they're very physical. So, but it plays into our strength, which is one thing that helps me, especially as much as we struggle on the outside. Michigan will try to exploit it, but they don't have the weapons to exploit mm-hmm. it as much. That scares me. Um, now defensively, they are defensively they're really good at two positions, um, and I believe it's Hutchinson and the other guy. I don't know if he's a tackle or he's a D end. Also, those are the two guys that you have to watch out for. They can get pressure on you. But their linebackers are very suspect. Um, their DBs aren't anything special. I mean, they really didn't shut down Ohio State as much as they just kept the ball away from Ohio State. Um, was the and biggest they didn't make the thing. Mistakes, um, yeah, they didn't make the killer mistakes. I think you can exploit that defense, especially with the way their linebackers are. You get James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, people like that matched up on them. I think you can run on, run on them and exploit them in the passing game, even you know using someone like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. God forbid we even throw the ball to him more than once. Well, if we use our weapons, which is a big if right now in offense, we have a clear talent edge. Aiden Hutchinson is like their version of David Pollock, just a high motor, just a beast out there. He is freaking awesome. 
And the other guy you were alluding to, David Ajabo, is uh, he's he's their other edge player. They have two elite pass rushers. Uh, they both are double-digit sacks right now, and they get after you. Then that is like I, I I do agree that we should play JT as our starting quarterback in this game. I would be lying though if I didn't say I had some concerns with him being more statuesque back there going against. Two well, the, pass the, but the only thing that that he, that he does better with. The thing with them, though, is JT at least has better pocket presence. There were multiple times where all Stetson had to do was step up in the pocket which the is, pocket, and, yeah. and still deliver the ball, and he didn't. He tried to go on the run and didn't throw you know, clean passes on the run, where JT does a lot better job of stepping up in the pocket. Well, yeah, and that's why we've been talking about I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. We basically haven't had much of a drop-back pass game at all, really, since Stetson's taken over, because that's, again, not what Stetson does well. We roll Stetson out of the pocket. We sprint. We boot. We go play action, RPO, things like that. We don't do true drop back stuff. And we had to do that against Alabama when we got behind like that. And obviously, it did not work out so well. I do agree that JT Daniels is more equipped to do those things. Um, but it is, it, it does, I'm just going to be honest, it gives me at least some concern there. It's like those guys are really good, JT. Like if, it's going to have a tough time escaping pressure there. Um, but I, I, that's a risk I'm willing to take at this point because you're right, Curtis. I do think he gives us more of an opportunity to activate a lot of those weapons that we have around him. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. But yes, you're exactly right. This is a team that is um, built very much the same exact way that we are. Just with, I would, I would argue with lesser talent. They're still a very talented team. They're a very good football team. I've watched them a lot the past couple weeks. I thought there was a chance that we might end up playing a team like this in the college football playoff. So I've been certainly watching them, and they are a big physical team, big hulking offensive lineman, very physical running game. Two really good running backs that really complement each other. Hassan Hassans is a big physical back. Kind of between the tackles guy, Blake Corum is dangerous with the ball in his hands. He is a, just a twitchy dude that can make plays happen in the run game, the pass game. Donovan Edwards, you guys know that, that name from recruiting, right? Big time five-star guy coming out of high school from Michigan. We got really close to, to get him out of Michigan, out of the home state. He ends up staying home. He isn't a major factor on the team, but he's a guy that they're starting working more and more with their team. But offensively, you're right, Curtis. They are built to run the football. And if you look at their stats, uh, their passing numbers, they are 67th nationally in passing offense, 228 yards a game. It's very comparable to teams like Kentucky at 72nd, Arkansas, as you mentioned, Curtis, 73rd, Auburn um, at 57th, Tennessee at 55. Very comparable to those teams. This is why I told you guys last week that – I felt Alabama was going to be the toughest matchup that we could possibly have the rest of the way because a team like Michigan or a team like Cincinnati, they are not built to challenge our defense in the way that really pushes our defense into a place where they aren't comfortable. They are not built to challenge our defense vertically through the air, which is where we are most vulnerable. This is a good matchup for us. Now, Michigan's very capable of beating us. They are very talented. They are really hitting their stride. They're a hot team right now. They run the ball very well. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup between our defensive front or our, our front six that's been so strong this year, stopping the run, and their offensive line, which is a big, strong offensive line. It's the biggest, strongest offensive line that we have faced to this point. It's going to be a very interesting matchup, but I still like the matchup because they are basically – this defense is built to stop what Michigan does, and that is, that is comforting to me. Offensively, they're – it's, they're good on defense. It's going to be really tough for us to put up a lot of points in this game. Um, I'm going to dig more into this in, in the coming weeks. I think that you're right, Curtis. We can have some success running the ball between the tackles because they're not great up the middle of that defense. Their linebackers are okay. Defensive, interior defensive linemen are good. They're, they're good. They're just not as good as Ajabo and Hutchinson on the outside. 
Those are the guys that concern me. We got to try to, to take them out of the game. I think we need to run the football at this team. I think we have we can have some success doing that. But obviously, we'll get into that a lot more. Curse. Any other thoughts on Michigan? Do you, do you think Michigan was a is a better matchup for us than Cincinnati? Is that what you're saying? I do because Desmond Ritter. Um, I think Bama will have trouble with him. The fact is, he's a mobile quarterback that can extend plays in the passing game and in the run game because him and Ford do a great job with the RPO. They can kill you with their RPO, and they're really good because he can pull it, Ford can take it, or they can pull it, you know, throw it. Um, so they're and they have really good DBs. So that's going to be one heck of a matchup because they have some good lockdown Gardner DBs. Is, I don't think I think Ahmad Gardner, the cornerback for Cincinnati. I think I saw a stat and, the other day. I don't think he's going to and Kobe Bryant his career. And Kobe Bryant, I believe his name's Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but they have some really good DB, so that's going to be a really good matchup. And uh, like I said, um, I know you mentioned Michigan's hot. They're rolling right now. Um, I am glad you have a three-week layoff before we play them because we have time for our insult, everything, our doubters, everything to fester and piss us off while Michigan has time. Sometimes breaks come at inopportune times for hot teams. How much stock do you put into the fact that we do have an opportunity here, come up the loss, kind of recenter ourselves and to kind of find that hunger once again? Do you really put a lot of stock? I'm hoping it, I'm, you know, defensively, I mentioned defensively, I think it'll be, you know, I I think it'll be there defensively because this defense prides themselves on keeping people out of the end zone and all these things. And now everyone's doubting them said, you know, we didn't play all the Kirby said, you're going to have all this outside noise. Um, and with the leaders on defense, even when we were down 14 and 21, the defenses were getting stops. I don't know if people saw, but Nolan Smith was out there trying to pump up his the players. There was a lot of leadership, especially on that defense side of the ball. Now, I don't know what the heck's going to happen offensively, um, but defensively, I know those guys aren't going to quit, and they're going to go out there with something to prove because they have something to prove. They've been embarrassed on the national stage, and I hope they answer the bell. And, you know, that's one reason I wasn't distraught last night. You know, it's that loss hurt. It sucked. I kind of felt like, hey, I saw it coming, especially with our offensive problems and all that. But the fact is, I knew our season wasn't over. For the, I was hoping it wasn't. I was hope, you know, I was figured we still made the playoffs. So our season wasn't over. We just got humbled, and it's time to respond and take out some of that anger. I agree. I was I was in a very bad place yesterday with the immediacy of the game and just once again falling short against Alabama. And really the same way it happened last year, honestly. But I got into today, and more I think about it, saw the matchup, I feel like we're in a good spot. I, I know I'd rather be number one, but I would just caution all of you out there. I know you're hurting right now. Trust me, I am too. I live and die with this stuff. So does Curtis. We are hurting just like you guys are. But that doesn't mean the season is done. I do think Michigan's a good matchup for us. I think Cincinnati is going to give Alabama more of a game than people realize, especially with Jamison Williams being basically their only viable receiver. And you have a guy like Sauce Gardner. That is very, very interesting. And they're good defensively. I just I have a question whether Cincinnati can score enough because Alabama defense is really, really good. I don't think Cincinnati is really particularly elite at anything offensively. But look, even if, look, right now we need to assume that it's Bama. Honestly, Curtis, I know this sounds crazy. I kind of want Bama. Does that make me crazy? No, I, I want I, them I, too. I'm. I kind of want Bama. Like, I, I want to win national title, and if, if, that, if that means being Cincinnati, great. Now, we got to be Michigan first. That is certainly not a guarantee. But if we can get by Michigan, I kind of want Bama. I know that it sounds insane because we can't seem to beat them, 
but I feel like we've got it in us. And I want to finish the job once and for all. I want to cut the head off the snake once and for all. And maybe we don't do it. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe Kirby sticks with Stetson and is so stubborn he doesn't make the move. I don't know. But you need to make a move. Yeah, I don't know, man. All right. Anything else, Kurt, before we get out of here? No, I think we'll have more to talk on as we get more into this Michigan prep. And who knows? We'll probably see some movement in the portal potentially in the next week or two as finals end. And kids sometimes want to just go ahead and get the heck out of here. So we'll have a lot to talk about the next couple weeks. Yeah, we will. We've got a signing, early signing period coming up here uh, in a week or so, a week and a half or so. So we got we will have a lot of content for you guys just because the, the regular season is over. Does not mean that we go dark. Some podcasts might do that. Not this one. You guys have been with us a long time. You know we got you covered all year long. In December will be no difference there. We have a lot of stuff for you on the Orange Bowl, recruiting, any news that's coming out as Curtis Mitchell transfers. We will be here all month long. So make sure to keep coming back, guys. We'll have a mailbag later this week and uh, a lot of fun stuff for you guys. So I know this one sucks. I know it hurts, but all is not lost. The sun will rise again, and um, we got to get ready for this Orange Bowl game against Michigan, and we'll have you guys cover that. But thanks for listening, guys. Season's not, season, the season is not over, so don't give up. It is not over, guys. I might have felt I might have told you something different last night, but I'm with you now, Curtis. It's not over. All right, I'm I'm kind of I've I've kind of really gone through the stages of grief very very rapidly this time. Usually, I, I think I think it was because we knew the season wasn't over. Like if it was had been years past where we were like Alabama with the one loss and we lost again, you know is all or not that we're not getting into the playoffs and it's harder for the grief to not hit, but I knew it wasn't over. I knew the team wasn't going to quit yet. So I think that's why I hadn't quit yet. Yeah. The, when we lost in 2000, in the 2000, I guess 2018, it was 2017 season, that national title, Alabama, that the stages of grief took me about six months to go through. Then Um, it was accelerated this time, maybe 12 hours, but um, my energy is coming back. We're not done. We're in the playoffs. We've got a chance here. And I think I still think we're the most talented team in America. I do believe that. We've got to fix the quarterback situation. We've got some things we've got to address defensively. But I still think that we have as good a shot as anybody to win this national title. We just got to go out there and get it done. But all right, guys, as uh, hard as it might have been, thank you for hanging with us here today and listening to the show. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, come hell or high water, go dogs. 